Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Off the Bench. You have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Friday, June 11th, and today I'm going to air part two of my interview with Mike Winther. He is the founder and president of the Institute for Principal Studies. And yesterday we had a very interesting conversation about what's happening in the church. What is the role of the church? Where does Romans 13 fit into all this stuff? Today, we're going to continue that conversation and it's going to be exciting. Get out your notepad and a pen. You're going to want to take notes. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Hey, you guys, you have probably heard by now that I am running for the United States House of Representatives to represent District 3 in Washington State. And I wanted to let you know that there are a couple ways that you can help us. First of all, follow me on all of my campaign social media platforms. You can find Heidi St. John for Congress at Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram. And of course, sign up to get on the mailing list at Heidi St. John for Congress. We are up against a very big second quarter fundraising deadline right now. And we need you to donate to the campaign. Every little bit helps. And so you guys have heard me say before, it takes a lot of money to run a campaign like this. And there's some very important things coming up. If you go to the website, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com, you can find out exactly how to donate. And I would so appreciate that. Also, you can volunteer. And we need volunteers from all over the country. We need prayer volunteers. And you can sign up to be on our prayer team at HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. You can complete the volunteer form there, and you can join my fight for the soul of America. Again, you guys, that website is HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. This ad is paid for by friends of Heidi St. John. So thanks for tuning in today, you guys. I am here in Kansas City, and we're taking a little bit of a break in between speaking engagements. Uh, Next weekend, the weekend of the 18th, I will be at Homeschool Iowa in Des Moines. And you guys are going to want to come out. Come out if you're anywhere near me. I want to meet you, and I would love for you guys to come and just talk to me. Let's hear what's going on. And I can't wait to hug your neck and just encourage you as the Lord has given us opportunity to do that. We appreciate your prayers for our family as we continue to do what God has asked us to do. We're carrying a pretty big load right now. And as you guys have noticed, there's a lot going on. And one of the reasons I was so excited about today's guest is he really is breaking down what's happening in the government, particularly here in the United States. But there are many people listening to this, I know, from Europe and in different parts of the world who have governments that are similar to ours that are also being ruled in a way that absolutely transcends the the jurisdiction or the scope of their government. So without further ado, I'm going to air part two of my interview with Mike Winther in progress. It's true. Well, now we've seen the constant, you know, the constitutional walls have been breached. Really, we're we're in, in a whole lot of trouble. So I want to get back to what you and I started talking about at the beginning of the conversation, which was the three primary roles of government. Because I, I think, you know, churches don't understand the role of government. Certainly citizens don't understand the role of government. And you said that there were three primary roles. The first one if, if I'm correct, was the adjudication. Oh, am I missing up? Am I messing up? Nope, that's Which right. I yep. wrote, I've taken so many notes. I have three pages of notes, my friend. This is so exciting. I feel like I'm sitting in back in my, in my civil liberties law class again. So the adjudication of disputes, this is the first one, which is primarily held, you know, through our civil courts, right? So let's start there. Can you go back one more time, say, what is the primary role of government? And let's unpack them one at a time. Yeah. 
Well, and, and the role of government is, in general, is to promote peace and freedom and liberty. And one of the ways you promote peace in society is to have an organized way of settling disputes. Uh, you don't want the Hatfields and the McCoys to go on some <laughs> long-term dispute that lasts for generations. And so one of the ways that God sets society up is that there would be uh, an adjudicating force to judge between parties and to be able to enforce that. So uh, if there's a business contract, uh, a company agrees to build my house for so much money and I pay them the money and they don't build the house, I have a right to go and, and get get right, you know, have them refund my money or, or build the house. So this would be the civil court system. And yeah, just as a side note here, people talk about these uh idea that we're an overly litigious society. That word litigious means to litigate. It means to go to court. And certainly I would grant that a lot of parts of our society are very sue happy, you know, very quick to, to litigate. I think though that our reaction to that has been inappropriate. There is a lot of movement in America to make it harder for people to go to court to get a civil dispute litigated. And this has some bigger picture issues. For example, one of the best ways to protect the environment is through civil litigation. If the chemical plant up the road is polluting the stream that goes through my farm, I have a right to litigate that. And what we've seen over the years is that a lot of legislation at the state and federal level has limited the right of people to sue to litigate for environmental damage. So when the Environmental Protection Act was passed, way back in the 60s. It gave the federal government sweeping powers that it probably should not have to protect the environment. But the way they sold it to big business was that they were going to protect big business from lawsuits. And many, many parties who've been injured through chemical spills have discovered that they cannot sue for damages because the Environmental Protection Act protects the the, the chemical corporation. company. Yeah. Yep. And so I think we have to recognize that um, litigation is an important role of government. And I'm not that concerned that we're overly litigating. Certainly, we do litigate for transient and light reasons that we ought not be. But this just requires having good juries. But the, anyway, that is the first role of government is to litigate those disputes. And the second role is the protection of the citizen's rights, right? And, and you were saying that we do this by punishing the evildoer. Yeah, and a lot of people take this to saying, oh, we have rights, and we need to define what a right is. Uh, some people say, oh, you've got a right to housing or a right to health care. Well, we better define what we mean when we say a right. A right, in a political sense, is something given by God that governments should not infringe on. That is what rights are. And there can be no right that requires the violation of someone else's rights. So if we say that Mike Winther has a right to housing, and if the government's going to pay for my housing to give me that right, for government to give me the right to housing, it has to take money or assets away from someone else. Uh, that means that housing is not a right in that sense, because there can be no right that requires the violation of someone else's rights. So if we say I have a right to housing, what that really means is I have a right to pursue housing. I have a right to get a job, to save money, to buy a house or to build a house. Uh, I have the right to pursue those things, but I don't have a right to be guaranteed housing because the only way to guarantee Mike Winther housing is to take away someone else's property. Well, that means we have to violate their rights. 
man, you know, are you are you running for president anytime soon? Uh, no time I, soon. I no, we're, we're going to put you in Congress, and then uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll, okay, just, okay. I'll just keep teaching government. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just take it. For, well, I didn't think this is so important because what you see, especially in the younger generation, and it was so interesting. You know, I just got done speaking in Illinois, and I was talking about uh, socialism. I was actually talking about cultural Marxism and social socialism, what the difference is, and why I see socialism so dangerous to the country. Well, a woman came up to my table afterwards, and she was offended. And she said, you are, she said, you are so short-sighted. She said, it is the role of government. She said, everyone has a right to housing and a right to healthcare and a right to this and a right to that and a right to education. And so I challenged her. I wish I would have had your simple definition because I challenged her by saying, um, why is, why is, I said, what you're saying is this person has a right to housing. And so you're asking Heidi St. John, whether I want to or not to take the money that I have been working hard and give it to this person who may or may not have been working and and you and therefore you disincentivize the worker but your your definition is so much more simple it basically means the same thing but it's a much more simple definition and property rights uh, are a key right as a matter of fact if you study scripture you'll discover that our god is the god of private property not collective property you see this throughout the old testament and the new testament in my 20-hour biblical principles of government class, I have a whole segment on the concept of property in Scripture. And our God is not a God that wants collective property. It's not a communal relationship. He wants individual private property. And if we're going to redistribute from one and give to another to give everybody housing and health care, uh, that means you're taking away property. Now, property may not be real estate. Property in this sense is anything you own. So property may be cash in your bank account. And, and what happens is we say, oh, wow, there's some people that can't afford health care, so we'll redistribute wealth to give everybody free health care. And then pretty soon, a lot of people who could afford housing before, they cannot afford housing now because they're busy paying for someone else's health care. So now it's a chain reaction. It's a domino effect. So now people who could provide for their needs before can't. So now we have people who before could afford health care and housing, but now because they have to pay for someone else's health care, can no longer afford their own housing. So now we have a housing program, and that means we're going to tax more people, and we'll tax them more, and pretty soon no one can afford anything. Yeah, and that's rapidly where we're heading. The other thing I think is so interesting, and we're seeing exactly what you're saying play out right now uh, in the Biden administration, who basically have uh, disincentivized people to go back to work because the government is giving them handouts, and the government is giving them, many of them, more money to stay home than the employer could afford to give them to work. And so they're not working, therefore you lose the dignity of work, right? There is a dignity in, in hard work and saying, I earned that, I deserve that, I worked for it, and sitting on your couch and just collecting a check from the government. Yeah, and what we're doing now is we're reducing the productivity of our economy. Uh, you know, inflation is something we're going to become reacquainted with in America. And the price of any good has to do with simply a supply and demand formula. Price is determined by the intersection of supply and demand. And prices will go up if we increase the supply of money, and that's what is happening. Uh, basically, 20% of the dollars in circulation today were not in circulation a year ago. That is terrifying. So we've increased the money supply by 20%, probably a little more in the last year. So we're so going to see you, massive inflation. I, I think so. And then 
because we have more money chasing goods, prices go up, but wait a minute, we now have incentivized people not to produce. So we have fewer people producing. So now we're increasing the scarcity of goods and services. So it's a double whammy. We are increasing price on both sides of the equation because we've increased the money supply, therefore the demand, and we've incentivized people not to work, therefore decreasing supply. So it'll be a double hit on price increases. And we're seeing that already. Yeah, we really are. I mean, and in Washington state, like the the price of lumber is up, I think it's a thousand percent. It's crazy what's happening. It is absolutely crippling the housing market in Washington state. And people are saying, look, I can't, you know, the house that you bid, that I bid on, that you said you could build for me for 300,000 is now going to cost me 700,000. Well, therefore I can no longer afford the house and the builder is out the contract because the 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 would-be homeowner has gone to the bank and lifted his hands up and cried uncle and we saw all of this happening as a chain reaction of bad leadership and and very very bad decision making coming from the highest positions of authority in the country. And going back to that proper rule of government, <clears throat> there's no proper rule of government that says government should be manipulating the money supply. That is not a proper rule of government. Uh, it's debatable whether government should even issue money. Our Constitution only allows the federal government to create coins. It does not allow our government to create paper money. And if you notice the Constitution, the federal government is given the power to coin money, not to print money. And people think, well, it's all the same. No, Madison records at the Constitutional Convention that they discussed paper money. And they had just seen inflation with the Continental Dollar and the Continental Congress inflating the money supply to pay for the Revolutionary War. They knew that governments have a tendency to inflate paper money. And so they intentionally worded the Constitution to only give the federal government the power to coin money. That means you have to have a precious metal to start with. And so having the federal government enter the federal reserve, that's right. And is the federal really quickly, you know, I've talked about this a couple of times, but can you really quickly tell people the, why the federal, why it's so backward that we even have a federal reserve? Yeah. Well, the federal reserve puts the control of your economy in the hands of a bunch of decision makers in a smoke filled room. That's right. Uh, Not elected officials. These are not people that we voted to elect, right? But they're controlling the flow of money, correct? And they, yes, they determine the money supply, they determine interest rates. They have more levers and dials for controlling the economy than you could ever imagine. And I believe it's totally unconstitutional. We experimented with central banks a couple of times in the 1800s. They were always repealed. And then in 1913, we got our third experiment with the central bank, which is stuck, unfortunately. And this is why we have the booms and busts that we have in our society. Uh, the housing boom of 2000. Six, seven, and eight, and and the crash is totally laid at the feet of the Federal Reserve System. Well, and it's interesting because my family was a part of the failure of these banks in 2008. And eventually we had to give our house back to the bank through something called a deed in lieu of foreclosure, realizing we had gotten what we learned later was a junk loan. And they and the Federal Reserve, every time they jacked up the interest rate, man, our payment was skyrocketing, was unbelievable. And I think a lot, I mean, what, tens of thousands of people lost their homes in the housing market crash, which a lot, I mean, you can, there's so many ways that the that the federal government has overstepped its bounds, not the least of which is the Federal Reserve, which I've been studying for many years. 
and hoping to, you know, wake people up so that there's enough, enough people make enough noise to say, hey, wait a second, wait a minute, this isn't actually right. Because, and, it, and again, it goes back to what is the proper role of government. Let's look at that third point uh, quickly today. It's to protect, the third role of the government is to protect the citizen's national defense. In other words, if we are threatened by another country, the role of government is to protect the citizens of this country, correct? That's correct. And it's really very similar to the second role. Um, you know, the government uh, prosecutes the bank robber to protect the citizens' property rights, uh, the same way our government would protect us from an invading army who might have the same effect on us. Wow. And even this, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a, a kind of a flip-flop. As we're watching the current administration, it seems to me, more interested in protecting other countries than in protecting our own. And that should be something that should frighten us, correct? I mean, that should be something that we're very, very concerned about. Yeah, you know, I think we worry a lot about government doing what it's not supposed to do. And that is certainly our biggest worry. But there is also a worry that the government begins to not do what it should do. And I think, uh, you know, Satan wants to make everything backwards, and that's one way that he does it. Um, and so, yeah, we weaken our national defense, you know, weaken border protection, you know, a variety of these things that are national defense-related categories. And we spend a lot of money protecting other nations, but how well do we protect our own? Yeah. Well, not very well right now. We know that a nation without borders isn't really a nation at all. And now I've been telling people for a long time, you know, God was a fan of walls. <laughs> you know, uh, he was because he understood the the importance of a nation to be able to protect its own, to protect its national sovereignty. And what we see happening right now at the border, at our southern border in particular, is a very it's it's like a it's it's almost like a prelude to an invasion because once we start to soften our borders our enemies see weakness correct yeah and you know the the border wall issue um, is an issue with a lot of nuance um, because a, a wall that keeps um, a foreign army out uh, can also keep citizens in so we have to be very careful with this concept of the wall. Uh, we have to remember the Iron Curtain. Um, That's true. Berlin yeah, wall. East Germany. Yes. Yep. So the the wall, if I can um, use a phrase, it's a double edged sword. I, I would argue that there is an inherent human liberty to travel and move uh, and move freely. The challenge is not dealing with just general migration, but the challenge is the ability to protect your nation from, say, terrorists or people who would come in. And so I think that is really the issue. And in my perfect world, and this is probably a topic for a whole hour discussion on its own, in my perfect world, we probably have the wall to protect against criminals and, and terrorists, but the wall should probably not be used to limit the travel of ordinary people. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I hope that this has been an encouragement. And more importantly, I hope it's educating you as to what the proper role of government should be. I think, you know, we've we've missed it. And we, we need to get back to knowing who we are and how our nation was founded. And God really in his wisdom has given us the foundational principles for establishing a government that really will be of the people, by the people, and for 
the people. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, more and more as we see this thing progressing and we're watching what's happening certainly around the country and in other places in Canada in particular, where these tyrannical rules and these dictates have gone outside of their proper jurisdiction and they're hurting the people. And we should all be concerned about that. So I'm going to go ahead I actually recorded a whole nother segment with Mr. Winther, and that's going to air at my other podcast, America's Town Hall. If you guys haven't found that yet, go ahead and download it because that conversation that we're going to have over there is really going to give you guys some insight as to what your responsibility is and what you guys can do now because we really are on the brink, uh, really, of losing our liberty. And uh, Ben Franklin, you know, coming out of the of the hall in Pennsylvania after they'd written the Constitution and established our government was asked by a woman, what kind of a government did you give us? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And uh, we're we're on the brink of losing it right now. So you guys uh, come on out and check out rather America's Town Hall. I'll link to that in the show notes today. And we're going to talk about COVID and civil government, a question of jurisdiction. Also want to remind you guys that we are working our way through the book of Jude over at MomStrong International. This is my ministry to women, and I hope you guys will check it out. I have been burdened over the last five years as I have come to believe and understand that the church is not doing all that it should be doing to equip mothers who really are equipping children for the battlefield. And it is a battle. And so I hope you guys will check that out. You can find me online at momstronginternational.com and you can find out more about my run for Congress as well. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for your prayers. Thanks for leaving reviews for the podcast, for praying for us as we're out here on the road. Lots of exciting things happening, which you guys will hear about in the days to come. Remember, I am still locked out of my Facebook accounts, every single one of them. And you can find me at Instagram right now. I'm doing quite a few Instagram uh, stories over there and just trying to keep up with you as best I can. But again, the fascist company known as Facebook decided to take my ability away from me to uh, publish. So even though you see things, it's not me, it's my staff. And these are things to be praying about. It's another reason why I'm running for Congress. This is absolutely wrong what these big tech oligarchs are able to do to regular people who are just trying to offer a different opinion than what these leftist progressives want you to see on their platforms. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.